Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Bar Fights. I'm so pumped you're here. I've been getting so much feedback lately with some of the awesome guests that we've had. Um, it just, it touches me, it touches my guests. It, it is just really overwhelming to know that you guys are out there, you're listening, and the content that we're bringing you is inspiring you, it's informing you, and uh, we love keeping you company. So keep listening, share the show wherever you can. Um, our endometriosis show we did with LJ Johnson two weeks ago has just changed lives already. And that is my intention with the guests that I'm bringing you. And today I'm going to bring you another one of those guests and we're going to learn all sorts of great stuff, but I'm also going to give you another resource that's out there. I was just looking at the work that our guest does and we'll talk about it, but you know, it's, it's more voices, more resources. We are having the conversations that need to be had and that are important in order to bust through the stigmas of all the things, of sexual abuse, of mental health, of all the things that we talk about on the show. So with that said, I'm going to introduce you um, to my guest today. Her name is Kristen Walker, and she has been working in the healthcare field forever. Um, she's started out doing medical billing, but now she's the host of a radio show, um, Mental Health News Radio, and she's interviewed all sorts of people from um, the behavioral health community, CEOs, counselors, authors, experts, all the stuff as it relates to mental health, which I cannot stress enough on this show is one of the most important things we need to tend to in our lives, especially given the landscape of the world today. So I'm so pumped to have Kristen here. Her show is in 171 countries. She's got inspiring guests from all over the world. We are honored to have her on Bar Fights. Kristen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Totally. I am so excited to have you here because I really believe we cannot talk enough about mental health. Yep. Tell me just who are you? How did you get into this field? Tell my guests sort of what your path was and what you are doing today. Oh, do you have 20 years? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's the 20 year show. No. Um, Okay. I started my show, Mental Health News Radio, nine years ago when everybody said podcast. That's like ridiculous. 
I don't think I knew what a podcast was nine years ago. I don't think I'd ever heard the word nine years I ago. I needed to speak and I've been speaking my whole life about sexual abuse. And of course, then I picked mental health, which was so stigmatized. It still is. But listen, I've been in, I've been around for so long. I'm like, it's amazing how non-stigmatized it is now, but I started my show to talk about it, talk about yet another difficult quote unquote subject. Um, and then I had guests and I was, I was speaking all the time at conferences and mental health. And I got to interview amazing people because the conference people were like, oh yeah, you're here to speak. And you're saying you'll do a free show with our keynotes and people that come to this conference, this for this little thing called a podcast, whatever, here's the list of all the attendees. So I really cut my teeth on these awesome you know, interviews before anybody knew what podcasting was. And then I started a network and we have over 75 podcasters on this network, all talking about different aspects of mental health. So that was the goal was like, how do I keep this going and keep it relevant and, and be something for as many people as possible? Because I can't do that. You know, I can't be for everybody people get sick of my voice anyway. So anyway, it was so awesome to bring other people in that could talk about autism, bipolar disorder, borderline personality, uh, anxiety, whatever, you know, to come in and talk about all these amazing things and, and have more voices. So that's my advocacy. This is my life's work, my best-selling book, whatever, which I haven't written. I just mean, this is what that is for me, this network with all these incredible people talking, 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 and listening Absolutely incredible. So basically, you're the OG of podcasts. <laughs> I don't know about now that. We know. <laughs> now we know. I, I am from, yeah, the early stages where it was like, you know, it was like, this is never going to go anywhere. And I was told, you know, don't call yourself um, a mental health show. It'll never go anywhere. Don't call your network a mental health network. What a way to tank it. Well, I can tell you the opposite has happened. Nothing yeah. tanked because I added mental health to the name of the network. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, do we need this more than ever um, these days. And I'm scrolling through different episodes of your show and I'm like, I need that one. I need that one. I need that one. I need that one. We're going to link to this website, but you guys, I am not kidding. There is so much here on so many topics. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you got involved um, in the topic of abuse and, and what that has been like for you and sort of how you've seen that landscape change since you started mm. nine years ago until now. Well, I'll say um, I, I started talking about abuse when I opened my mouth about being molested by my father, my biological mm. father, when I was 12. Mm. And I have been talking about sexual abuse since then. So when I started podcasting and talking about it, I, this it was old hat talking about it to me. So 1982, I was 12. And I, I mean, I at 16 was going to conferences and talking to medical professionals about how you identify a patient who's very quiet and doesn't show any physical signs of abuse, but of sexual abuse, but boy, it's there. 
uh, with a room full of doctors and nurses. So I've been talking about it for a long, long, long time. And I'm always um, fascinated at how things hit me at different stages of my life. Like just now when you said that, you know, how, how long I've been talking about this and to share it, I got this ripple of energy uh, up pulled the back of the, you know, the hair on the back of my neck up. And I'm, I'm always surprised that, you know, I've been talking about this for a long time and I still get those feelings that come up because it's not something that ever goes away. You don't just get over this. It becomes a permanent part of your everyday life. And it's something that you learn to live with and utilize for good or for bad. Um, it's it's not just a blip and, oh, I'm over it. And you know that as well as I do. Totally, totally. Have you found, I know in my work, working in sexual abuse, being a survivor, it's it's contributed so much to my healing process. I know people always ask me, like, how do you talk about this all day, every day? Does it traumatize you? you know, to, to have to think about it. And I I always say it's, it's so tough, but nobody can get it like I get it. And so nobody can do my job the way I do my job. Um, Have you found that this show and working, you know, with your sleeves rolled up in the field of mental health has been part of your healing journey? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no, Everything that I did to create this and put this together when I had no, I I mean, who who knew how to set up a podcast network? I mean, let alone do a podcast nine years ago. Then I set up a network. Like, what is that? I didn't even know where to begin. It was just important for me to do. And the, the, the um, ambition, the need to do this was driven from what happened to me as a child. That was so traumatic. And the choices that I made in the situations I was in because of what happened to me as I've gone through my entire life. Um, so yeah, I, I needed to do this for my healing and I need to keep doing this for now. It's less about my healing. It's more about just staying connected to myself because boy, did we learn how to disconnect from ourselves or what when it comes to <laughs> sexual abuse? Yeah. So it keeps me connected, which I need because it's so easy to dissociate. Yeah. Um, but the thing of, Oh, and now this might help somebody else speak about this and free it from themselves. That is the driver now. Oh, you just gave me the chills. Um, I so, I so get it. And I, I love meeting people like you who, you know, 10 minutes ago was a complete stranger, but <laughs> now we realize we're sort of both on the front lines together, um, yep. like-minded and, and doing this kind of work, um, and for all the reasons you just so eloquently mentioned, um, what are, what are some of like the hot button issues that you're seeing today? Weird years that we've been through the yeah. last, you know, what's, what's coming up for people? Well, what's coming up is, um, is disconnection. We, as a our bodies are so fabulous at protecting us. Our minds are so fabulous at protecting us that dissociation is what kept us alive. Mm -hmm. It kept us from completely breaking. Um, But with what's gone on in the last few years, talk about 
disconnection. I mean, just the not going out, not being around people, not going to things, all of that stuff I'm seeing. And what I'm hearing from people is a lot of existential crisis around, well, what do I, I I don't even know who to be. I don't know what is, everything's changed. Everything has changed for, for me. And I don't know how to connect what's healthy, what's a healthy way to connect or not. That is like the topic du jour. I just did two shows on that this morning, dealing with adolescents and what they're going through, Um, you know, and being stuck. I mean, we saw such a rise in domestic violence during the pandemic because you're stuck at home, oftentimes with an abuser. Well, that goes for kids too. If you're being abused by your parents and now you're, you don't get the break of going to school, going to an activity, going anywhere, and you're just there stuck um, with someone who's, you know, abusing you, then what, you know, what does that do? What is that? What is that doing to our kids? That's what I'm hearing about now. That makes me sick. And that to me was one of the hardest things during COVID was that thought um, that our little babies are stuck at home, potentially in dangerous situations, um, with no outlet and no safe adults, um, to report to or get support from. Oh, right. It's not just a a pandemic in the sense of, you know, COVID-19. Right. It was sort of a global health crisis in terms of abuse too. Absolutely. And, and thank goodness I started to see the tide turn in terms of talking about mental health, thankfully before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you know, like my original goal for doing what I do with this advocacy was to make mental health be as talked about as your physical health. And so I checked that box, like in my small way, I have been a part of this network has been a part of helping that happen. Well, that was a goal. Well, what do I do now with that? Because I checked that box. So where do I take it from here? Um, so there's, you know, and, and where, how is my ambition different than it was then? And I, I take away the negative connotation of the word ambition. Ambition can be, it, a be- it's just a word. It can be a beautiful thing. Um, it, it doesn't always have to be the, I want to be a celebrity type of ambition. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Totally. Just, you know, drive to, to leave the world better than how we found it. Exactly. Right? And what do you do with your life when you've done that? I mean, you too, like you are doing that. You have, you can leave tomorrow this experience and, you know, if, if you're going to die or whatever it is, not to get morose, but, and knowing that you did that, you did that, you made a difference. You did that. So where, where do you go when you've done that? What do you yeah. do next? It's kind of like, huh? Okay, huh. keep helping, keep helping. Yeah, keep yeah. Helping. In my in my case, I just keep taking more and more bar exams for no reason, <laughs> so I can be licensed in every state in the country for no no apparent yep. reason. Um, but no, that's such a that's such an interesting thing to think about, to journal about, to daydream about, and for people listening who would say they haven't found that thing or that purpose you know they're waking up going to their job coming home watching netflix um what thoughts do you have on on how i mean it's it's sort of a a billion dollar question but how do people 
find that purpose? I don't know. Do you? (laughs) I mean, I, I, yeah, that's a big, a big question. I think I would say therapy and yet I, all of my friends pretty much are therapists and they are so inundated (laughs) with with patients right now that they're having their own burnout. But for me, I still have to say it. I'm sorry to all my friends. I know you don't need more patients, but for me going to therapy, and I'm not just talking about one-on-one counseling. I'm talking about group counseling. I'm talking about a weekend workshop. I'm talking about anything that gets you out of the daily rut of, of anything um, and gets you into your pain, that gets you into what's happened to you, what's happened to your life, what, what, what is it that you try to avoid, what's in your unconscious that you're afraid to go there and unlock. Um, and therapy is like such a, a key for that. So any kind of therapy is for me the way to you know, break out of the monotony of just the daily drudge. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I see so many people going through life with this like very narrow tunnel vision of I get up and I get my kids off to school and I go to my job and I and that's life. Um, but we're never taught for some reason in school how to zoom out and kind yeah. of check in with ourselves, right? How are things going in my life? What do I need more of? What do I need less of? What's working? What's not working? Um, I wish that was the kind of stuff that was taught. No kidding. You know, because we, we become adults and maybe we have trauma or adversity or whatever. And we oftentimes don't even know where to start. Oh, absolutely. We really don't. It, it takes so many people are used to not being heard that that's why this medium of podcasting was so important to me was I really just want to listen and speak and, and be heard and hear someone else. Like the gift of hearing someone else um, is so huge, especially for an abuse survivor of any, any kind of abuse, just, oh my gosh, this thing is happening to me. I'm a kid. There's really not much I can do about it. No one's listening because they're busy doing their other thing. Who is going to hear me? And that person that hears you first sets up a, a chain reaction for you for the rest of your life, good or bad. That is said so perfectly. I try to articulate that sometimes where I say sort of how a person is, is met in some of those like catalytic moments, whether it be disclosure of abuse for the first time or disclosure of mental health struggles or whatever, how that person is met can sort of make or break, um, the, the healing trajectory or even just the trajectory, but you just said it so much more. (laughs) articulate um i might steal that from you but you're so 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 right on about that um what have been some of your favorite shows that you've done if anything comes to mind i'm just scrolling through and you guys like no matter who you are what gender you are where you're at in your life what age you are there is something on this network that is going to resonate we're talking about children's mental health what's troubling kids today but then we're talking about narcissists and yeah um you know i i have 
done a lot of reading on that topic. That's one of my favorites. We're talking about oh, yeah. women. We're talking about coercive control. We're talking about widows. We're talking about sibling sexual abuse, hoarding, OCD, you guys, Asperger's. This is running the gamut of shows that you have at your fingertips that you can listen to at Mental Health News Radio Network. Dot com. Um, so Kristen, what are some that jump out at you where you're like, I either had an aha moment or it was a favorite show of yours or you got great feedback? Give us some tips. Well, I'll tell you this just from it's very interesting to have something where you can see on a global scale what people are actually actually listening to or not. That It isn't just my show. My show isn't even the most popular one on the network. It's just but to see what where the last few years the, the temperature gauge has gone with what people are listening to. And I will say this and, and it's not more important than anything else, but. Um, it's such a pivotal piece of sexual abuse too, is anything to do with narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, those topics by far are the most listened to across the network and to where I made my own, my own little mini network just about that. Um, so and those are the shows that I've had where I've shared the most about me personally, where I've just got it what the guest was saying where I have the hair on the back of my neck you know go up um though that's it those are the topics that is totally in line with what you know a lot of my guests on this show I've had guests who have been in cults or yes you know have have had that coercive control dynamic or obviously sexual abuse but where the perpetrators the one common theme running through the veins of those perps is the narcissistic personality disorder. Um, Yeah. Because how can you be a pedophile, uh, you know, be a sexual abuser? How can you do that if you don't, if that isn't a huge piece of, of, of what your makeup is? Yeah. You can't. I mean, I've interviewed, you know, uh, some of the sexual abuse survivors and and the, um, you know, the journalist, Mike Resendez, who, you know, was in the movie Spotlight about the Catholic priests that are molested. You know, I've that I would say is the topic that I just like latch on to. And I want to talk about that because I want to understand how does this happen? Why does this happen? Where does this come from? Not from a, Oh, shame, every perp out there either, even, you know, even though deservedly so they get it, but to understand why, where did this come from? What is this? Um, what, what's missing the, what lack of empathy, what from their childhood uh, or not, because there are certainly perpetrators out there who have not been molested. So it's wanting to understand. I mean, who would do this? Who would create something like this if you didn't really just want to know what the heck is going on with our human psyche? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's it's so true. And I think everybody listening, you know, we talk a lot on this show about the concept of a good guy predator or a good girl predator um, and and how, you know, the predator is often not the person in the scary black robe in an alley. Right. 
it's your neighbor, it's your, your favorite dad, teacher, it's your dad, it's your coach. And so, um, really kind of deconstructing the psychology of how that person who was supposed to protect you and supposed to keep you safe could actually be the one who harmed you. Right. Um, and and what does that say about you? Like, does that mean that you're going to become that too? I mean, I had years of going, am I going to, and when my son was born, I, I would have dreams that I was harming him and oh. they were just dreams, but this is where my unconscious went was, am I going to do this too? Am I going to, you know, and that being afraid of that made me go the other way into advocacy and let's talk about it. But I want to be honest about that, that much of, uh, not much, um, a lot of my need to study this and examine it was also out of, oof, I don't, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, totally. This is so, so interesting. Um, where do you see the stigma around mental health going. Tell us more because like I'll shout from the rooftops. I go to therapy once a week, <laughs> you know, and I love it. But sometimes when I'll recommend therapy to clients or to, to people um, who reach out, there's still that like, eh, you know, yeah. I, can, I can power through. I can, I understand what my issues are. I don't need somebody. It's like, what, what do we need to do to make this as normal as like having a personal trainer at the gym? I don't, right. I don't know. I think keeping talking about it, cause I've seen, I mean, it changed. I mean, in 1982, when I said to my mom, this is what's happening with dad every other weekend. Um, you know, you did not talk about things like incest in 1982. Like you didn't, I was investigated by social services at my school my dad was not. That is what was going on in 1982. Okay. So the, obviously that has changed so much that that's what has actually given me hope about mental health. And I have seen it change so much just even from starting my first show. I used to go to dinner parties or go even to get my nails done when I still cared about that kind of stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> now I couldn't be bothered, but, uh, but it's like I used to go and I would cause the whole room to be silent because I would just freely say, well, this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I would say the word mental health or anxiety or whatever. And everybody would just, <gasps> and, you know, you feel, I was so used to being the one person in the room that would speak up because of the sexual abuse and say the uncomfortable thing that it made me tough. I think in terms of being able to talk about mental health, because I was like, listen, I've already had 8,000 arrows slung at me. So what do I care about? All, it was, I was comfortable with being in an uncomfortable situation. So it was like, whatever. But even with that, people are there. It, the tide has changed. Like we're not even at, we're not even at the half point anymore. We're on the other side of the half point in terms of this being as okay to talk about as, as um, physical health. It's, we're not to they were not there yet. We're not at the end point, but I have seen it so, so, so change. And that is just fantastic to watch. And you just, you just have to power through those uncomfortable moments. I look forward to them. I, I get a little sad when I'm like, I haven't run into anybody that's looked at me like I have three heads <laughs> for what I talk about. Like I need to go more rural or something. Cause I miss that 
opportunity. It's an opportunity to educate. That's how I see it. I don't look, I don't shy away from it. For me, it's like, ah, here's an opportunity to talk about something that is uncomfortable and to, you know, get people to listen and whatever. So it's inspiring and it's very inspiring. I love that. I found in my work, there are certain religious groups where if a client is from that particular group or a particular part of the country, um, there's shame sometimes still around mental health where, um, where they, they feel they're taught maybe or indoctrinated that they can, you know, do, do some religious practice and that's the way to get help as opposed to, um, therapy. Um, right. So I see that there's still work to be done there. Yes. Um, so we have a lot of parents who listen to this show. What would you say to the parents who are driving their car right now going, you know, my kid is struggling with this or that, or they've been abused or, um, they're being bullied or what, what kinds of advice, what do you want to say to the moms and dads listening? Get yourself into therapy. First of all, because your child, I I think I read this in a Marianne Williamson book years ago, the greatest gift she gave her daughter was talking, was, was working on herself. And I can't, she, there's no way for me to say that better. That is so profoundly true. So if you want to help your child go they're, they're looking to you, they will look to you their whole life. You don't want to get to the point where they don't look to you because then there's a, you know, something seriously wrong is happening here. So go and get in your own therapy because as you grow, they're going to look to that and they're going to follow that example and, and learn to excavate themselves. It may not be through the kind of therapy that you went to, but it'll be through something because here's their example, their parent. You are so right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, like the first thing my mom did when I told her this is what's going on with my dad and my mom has had her own history of sexual abuse. She put herself in therapy right along with me. Wow. You got lucky, girl. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I got really, (laughs) I got really, uh, yeah, I got really lucky in that respect. And we have been through it. We have been through it. It's not been an easy road, but the fact that she was willing to do that for herself, um, to help me. And then, Oh, by the way, let's have all these memories that she's repressed about being sexually abused come up <laughs> Yeah, during that. Um, but the fact that she would go, uh, it's like the effort, you know, put in the effort when we say, Oh, we don't want to go because we'll just handle it ourselves. What we're saying, put it in a physical health perspective. Well, I'm not going to go take that walk because, you know, because why, and we're teaching our kids those <laughs> bad habits, right? Yes, exactly. You know, if we don't do it for ourselves, what are the chances our kids are going to feel like doing it for themselves, right? We teach our yep. children their future habits. We teach our children our patterns. And so our patterns better be cleaned up, <laughs> right? Yep. They better be a work in progress, um, and, and they need to be tended to, right? So, exactly. um, I could not agree more parents listening. That is such good advice. Um, and while I know that to be true, that's such a good reminder for me as a mom, <laughs> um, <laughs> to keep, 
keep doing that stuff and keep growing and, and keep setting the best possible example. Um, so do you think, my last question, you know, the world is in a weird place sort of energetically and mental health wise. Do, do you yep. see that getting better? Do you see us heading for more breakdown before we break through? Um, what do you, what do you see in your work? Well, I mean, I think those breakdowns, you know, are what propels us to have breakthroughs. So I never look at anything like it's a ladder. I, I don't look at success like it's a ladder that I'm climbing. I don't look at evolving as a ladder that I'm climbing to some kind of destination. It's just an ongoing practice. So um, in terms of, are we going to get better? I think we've had a lot of pain, a lot of things that like this pandemic that have come up and made us all go have our own existential crisis. Um, and that is a good thing because those things, that pain, that discomfort propels us to want the opposite of that. And that's growth. So I don't really view the, the world like, oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket or whatever. <laughs> it's like, we're all, we're in the soup. We had this fantastic thing happen which is COVID-19 where we have this global pandemic knowing that everybody everywhere was going through the same thing. And we all don't know what the heck is going on and what to do. What a phenomenal gift for everyone to get connected in this world of disconnection. So I, that's how I look at it. I'm like, yes, let's have more. I don't, I don't want more. I don't necessarily want to advocate, you know, everybody go through a bunch of pain, but it's like, that seems to be the thing that cracks you open and, and pushes you to want to heal whatever the pain is. So um, try to look at those things as gifts. Like I say to people that say, you know, having a relationship with someone with narcissistic personality disorder was the worst thing in your life. Yeah. But did it crack you open? There's a gift there. There are so many gifts there for you to learn about you. Forget the narcissist. What, what did you learn about you and how have you healed and grown and evolved? Amazing. Fantastic. So that's, does that kind of answer your question sort of sideways? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I love that. And I love so the sort of reframing of this is the worst thing in the world too. This right. could really be the best thing in the world. And I saw during the pandemic and, and tell me if you saw the same thing, like it, it forced people to slow down in a way that many people probably including myself have had never had to before. And mm -hmm. with that stillness, you sort of had to look yourself in the mirror. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You had to look at yourself in the mirror and you had to sort of, you had to reframe. I mean, as a perfect example, um, the counselor I did an interview with just before this one with you was talking about all the statistics about what adolescents are going through right now, post pandemic. Um, when they go to a therapy, some kind of therapeutic environment and their phone is taken away from them for seven to 10 days or whatever, you know, when it's serious enough that they're put into some kind of treatment environment, they're like, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Having that. that phone taken away, even without the social connections out there that we all need, but just having that thing taken away. 
Um, I think that's what this pandemic did. It took so many things away that all of us had to sort of recalibrate and reevaluate. And we don't have the answers to to anything yet. I mean, there the show that we did, I kept trying to get them to tell me what the answer is to fix all these kids. And then I had to tell myself, there isn't a fix yet. We're still in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not about that. It's not where such as human beings were so driven to have the answer, fix the problem. Here's the solution. Boom, boom, onto the next thing. That is not what life is about, is it? It's not, it's about mining for gold, right? During, <laughs> during those, you know, during those tough times, it's, it's like diet culture. Like we're always looking yes. for that quick fix, that pill, that magic pill, and then we can move on. And, um, you're so right. It, life does not work like that as much as sometimes we, we want it to. What? Like, can you, can you imagine if you were able to walk through life? with one foot in the trauma of what you have experienced, what you are experiencing, and hopefully it's not as bad as it was in previous years, but we all go through traumas. Every daily life can be traumatic, but to walk with one foot in that in peace and have the other foot in joy and happiness and those little microcosm moments where you're just like, you know, your kid smiles and and gets excited and you're like, Oh my God, like, isn't that how we should sort of navigate life? Because that's reality, hard and amazing. And to walk peacefully through that, to me, that's my goal. Like, I just want to have a foot in both places and be sane and be like, okay. And I, and thrive, not just survive, but thrive. Can I do that there? And that's what I work on every day. Oh my gosh, Kristen, I could listen to you for hours and here's the good news. I can because I can go on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com um, and I'm actually driving for two hours later tonight. So I am going to have this on. I'm going to listen to the Narcissistic Abuse Healing Network, which is linked to <laughs> under series and events on the webpage. You guys like these topics. I'm like, I wish somebody would have would have talked to me about this um childhood trauma triggers that follow you into adulthood um childhood trauma and abandonment affecting all of your adult relationships living with emotional abuse um worthiness codependency like Uh, why didn't anybody give me this shit years ago (laughs) no kidding no kidding i mean seriously that is why i i love it because there's an answer there's always an answer for how i'm feeling at any given moment in time about something that's going to make me walk that path more peacefully oh good like even the show about sibling sexual abuse i did not have siblings but it helped me hugely to listen to this show so it's just you know it just atomizes how important it is to talk, be heard, and listen. And with that said, that's your drop the mic moment right there. <laughs> I have not I have nothing more to add other than thanking you for the work that you do. 
It is incredible. I'm going to have your voice in my headphones and in my car for a long time to come. And I hope you Get come out. back, you know, when you when when you see stuff happening and you think it's important to to share, please come back on this show. Yes, um, and please come on my show. I, mean, I would I'm, love come to. on any podcasters on the network. I, your story, I'm, I'm like, I keep wanting to ask you about you. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this is, I'm not the host. So but <laughs> I got to have you come on so that I can go tell me about your story. So yeah, exactly. I, oh, anytime. Absolutely anyway. love that. Thank you so much. I will do that. It would be my honor. Kristen, thank you so much for being here and we will see you guys next week and again you can find Kristen mental health news radio network.com see you guys next week For listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.